You are listening to Beyond Smart Buildings by PropMoto, where we explore the eight principles that go into intelligent space. To listen to other episodes from this series, just search for PropMoto wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello, everyone. I'm Franco. I'm the editor of PropMoto, and welcome to my podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about smart buildings. Great topic. Uh, particularly, we're talking about the principles that it means to make a building smart. And uh, here with me, as always, is uh, my co-host, uh, Vincent Dormady. Hi, Vinny. Hi, Franco. It's great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. The principle we're going to talk about today is, is a little bit outside of what you would think it means to make a building smart. Um, it's about a building being involved, right? And I think uh, this concept that buildings need to be involved both uh, with their occupants and you know, with the world at large is really fascinating to me. And it really gets uh, to the heart of, of what it means for a property to be valuable, to have value. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because in our quest to calculate building value, we've typically looked at the financial metrics and space metrics. But what we really need to start considering is the true value of the building to the people and how useful it is to them and the actual uh, enterprises that depend upon those buildings. And then beyond that, the actual precincts and the areas in which it actually exists. Um, and it's not just um, it's not just about the business functionality. It's also about its involvement in the environment, how it contributes to the well-being and the sense of the people and, and, and the purpose. And all of this with a mind to the levels of sustainability focus and social consciousness that is becoming part of, of what we do at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's really interesting because there's some connections here between, you know, uh, obviously we understand that buildings should be valuable for their tenant, for their occupant, for their user. But th- there's a certain connection between, you know, how doing, doing right by the world, right? Doing right by all of us also affects the tenant, right? And so when it comes to office buildings, for example, you know, workers today, uh, you know, they really want to know that they're working for a company that is uh, socially conscious. And, uh, you know, that, that oftentimes kind of comes down to how, how the building is, how the workplace is. Um, and you know, even still, the, the connections between, you know, healthy, sustainable, socially involved buildings. Um, and, you know, the, 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 more I, the, the more traditional idea of value in real estate can be, can be a bit removed in the minds of the industry. There is certainly a, um, an altruistic aspect to this at the moment, but... As in the past, things that start as high principle become a fundamental characteristic that's expected as time goes on. And more and more, tenants are expecting um, this kind of involvement. They're asking the questions about not just of the space, but about how does it fit and how does it, how does it feel. Uh, employees will ask it and are asking it. And I think in the post-pandemic era, it's going to become more and more relevant and it's going to become more relevant faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think when it comes to to efficiency, right, to energy efficiency, like that, that's very easy to track, right? We we have uh, you know we have good metrics for that. But when it comes to something like like involvement, it's it's a little bit fuzzier. It's a little bit harder to to understand what's going on. Uh, and luckily, you know, for for this episode, I was able to talk to someone uh, who's doing exactly that, right? Who is trying to bring some sort of metric to this idea of of involvement for buildings. Hi, my name is Joanna Frank. I'm the president and CEO of the Center for Active Design, and we are the operator of the Fitwell Healthy Building Certification Program. Fitwell is a certification that quantifies health impacts of a building's design. They use data to try to understand not only what can be done to improve buildings, but what can be done to improve their impact on human health. Really look at the research first. We're looking at public health research and translating the research into 
the strategies that really inform how to design and operate buildings um, and neighborhoods. So it's all about the people. And when you really think about kind of how do I create places for people, um, obviously you have to think about all people. Uh, the motto of Fitwell is actually building health for all. Um, because that is the point, right? We could create one splendid building that was perfect and impact, you know, a thousand people, um, and it really wouldn't make a difference uh, to health outcomes. So our mission and our goal as a business is really to bring about market transformation around health. So in order to bring about market transformation, it's really like, how do you ensure that health is always part of the decision-making when it comes to investing in our built environment in our infrastructure, in our buildings, um, and really creating places where people can thrive. We really need to be looking at all assets and all neighborhoods, because if we can really kind of raise the base for all buildings, it will actually have a far greater impact on health than taking buildings that are already in the 99th percentile and making them 1% better, right? That's, that's, not, that's not actually achieving very much when it comes to health. Health impact has been an important criteria for buildings forever. But in the last two years, it's been front and center to just about every aspect of our lives. This new interest on how buildings can contribute to our health will likely last long after the pandemic ends. The role of an occupant in the building in a building has really evolved because of COVID. Um, this is something that we've heard from investors, that they, as investors in portfolios, buildings, investors in assets, where they were pre-COVID, they were really thinking about the building. Um, and they certainly weren't thinking about the individuals within that building. So they were thinking portfolio, they were thinking the assets within a portfolio, uh, but not about the individuals. And because of COVID and because of the impact that COVID has had on occupancy rates, where people have stopped going to their offices, individuals, you know, have used their power of <laughs> staying at home to really kind of um, change the market where now investors, global investors, are telling us that for the first time they are really thinking about the fact they have to address the demands and the needs of the occupants because it has a direct correlation with the overall financial performance of their assets and the portfolio of assets. That's a huge shift because when you start thinking about the individuals in a building, then obviously you start thinking about health because when health, as we describe it, is holistic health. So it's really creating places that people thrive in, right? This is about physical health, mental health, as well as social health. This isn't about um, not getting sick. This is about creating places that are optimized for people. While Joanna's mission is about helping buildings create healthier environments for people, she realizes that she has to take a holistic view of what the impact of every action is. In fact, there are instances where optimizing for the immediate health of occupants can be at odds with the long-term health of the larger environment. There's a little bit of tension between health and sustainability, and you really need to look at it as a system, as a, as a whole system. So just an example would be if you are an environment in an environment that has poor outdoor air quality, um, that is obviously detrimental to health, right? If you breathe in, high levels of particulate matter, you actually have a higher risk of dying from COVID, um, as well as a lot of other issues. So outdoor air quality, if it's poor because of climate change and because of um, you know, putting a lot of pollutants into the air from our heating systems or car exhaust and all, all of these things, um, then you're going to have a higher level of filtration um, within the building in order to create the optimum air quality within a building. 
Um, but by increasing the filtration that you have to use in order to create that, you know, good quality or high quality indoor air, you are using more energy. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is where you really need to be thinking. We all need to be thinking in, in this industry holistically. We really need to be thinking about, you know, kind of the full system of how we affect human health and then how by creating environments that are optimized for people, um, how we don't get stuck into one of these kind of vicious cycles, which is what, you know, I just kind of described. It's easy to think that if you are in real estate, then your job only pertains to what happens inside a building. But Joanna thinks that this isn't the case at all. Buildings are only as good as the neighborhoods that they are in. And evidence suggests that changing how buildings interact with the world around them can significantly improve nearly everything and everyone they touch. Every building is actually creating that larger neighborhood um, or that larger built environment. Um, and as such, it is affecting the health of the community at large because it's creating, it's creating the places that we live and work in. So your willingness to walk down the street uh, is really affected by your built environment. You are much more likely to walk down a street that has a lot of visual interest at the ground floor. So you can see into windows, you can see what's going on. Um, we get bored really quickly <laughs> as, as a species. Um, so you can create visual interest at the ground floor. The amount of lighting on a street also greatly affects people's uh, willingness to walk down that street, their perceptions of safety. Um, having street furniture like benches and so on that you could provide as a land, uh, as the landlord or as the building owner, um, you actually increase the likelihood of people to walk if there are benches, which sounds counterintuitive, but it is actually true. Um, having plantings as well so access to nature like there's just no downside to access to nature so having street trees having planting strips really thinking about kind of creating an environment that has a lot of nature in it and obviously that extends out into the public realm it's not just enough for buildings to be involved with only a small group of people as joanna said for buildings to have the largest benefit to us building designers owners and managers need to think about how they affect all of us. That means taking into consideration almost every way that a building is involved directly or indirectly in people's lives. Are you creating a built environment that is uh, universally accessible? Are you creating um, walking paths and so on for the public that, that everybody can use um, and that are designed for, for that universal accessibility? So it's really kind of a two-way, right? You want to put your building, you want your employees, want to be within a thriving community. Uh, we know that from the statistics. So it's actually in your interest to create a, you know, an environment that supports the surrounding community. Um, and then the community obviously um, directly is impacted by your building. What kind of streetscape are you creating? Are you putting in bike paths when you're doing you know, these large scale developments? Are you uh, hiring from the local workforce? Are you ensuring that there's a mix of um, uh, income levels supported by the pricing strategy of your property? So we really, it's, the built environment isn't a building, right? It's the collection of buildings. So yes, there are individual buildings, but collectively they make up our built environment and the, and the way we experience the places that we live and work. There are plenty of good reasons for buildings to think about their surroundings. Improving the lives of people that live and work in a building is certainly something most can get behind. But it's important to remember that there are very well-researched financial reasons to do so as well. So the location of your building 
is pretty much the single most <laughs> important uh, um, aspect of the value of your building, um, especially for residential, but, but for commercial as well. So what are some of the things that are so important about the community at large? So access to well-maintained public spaces. Um, every foot that you're closer to a well-maintained park increases the value of your property. <laughs> so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of studies around this up to a, a, about a block or so, but you know, so proximity to well-maintained outdoor space, whether you're providing it as the building owner, right? So you can provide publicly accessible outdoor spaces or whether you are um, locating your building near a, a public park and then maybe you're helping to maintain it. Um, so that has a direct correlation and, and a, a very well-documented correlation with increased value. Um, another thing that has a total correlation with increased value is walkability. So the higher your walk score, um, which is kind of one of the metrics we use, but really the higher the walkability of where you are. So all those things I said, street trees, street furniture, um, the uh, actually the size of blocks, you can't really affect that, but proximity to transit, um, proximity to parks, the outdoor spaces that you're creating with your buildings, all of these things factor into walk score. Um, walk score, actually, if you go onto walk score, you can see by... Um, by city, by neighborhood, you can see the increase in value and it's a lot of money. So the higher the walk score, the higher the value of that property. Part of the difficulty in trying to improve the way the buildings are involved in our lives is trying to figure out a good standard by which to judge our efforts. The growing corporate focus on ESG has given us some criteria for evaluating sustainable practices but they also need to be placed into a more narrow context of the built world. When you promote health of people, how do you then translate that into environmental, social, and governance metrics? So it's not a one-to-one -one correlation. You can't say public health metrics are ESG metrics, um, but by promoting health, and many of the strategies that are in FitWell that are evidence-based, that they promote health, there is evidence that shows that they also correlate with the ESG metrics that are being used uh, in the industry right now. Um, so we know that there's a correlation between your FitWell score and tenant satisfaction, for example. And tenant satisfaction is something that folks are beginning to really look at uh, as far as ESG metrics are concerned. Um, other ESG metrics are directly health metrics. So indoor air quality, you know, there's a <laughs> There's a metric that we measure um, and that it's already being recognized for ESG. One of the big changes that Joanna has seen in the investment world when it comes to healthier, more involved buildings is that now investors are starting to understand ESG efforts to be less about marketing and more about risk reduction. As global financial institutions start to assess health as a risk, they obviously want to create environments that are optimized to promote health in order to mitigate that risk, in order to reduce the risk. So that's a game changer because health has gone from a nice to have pre-COVID where once you've dealt with sustainability and you know, looked at other kind of social aspects, then you, you perhaps looked at health in order to uh, further differentiate your portfolio or asset. But it certainly wasn't seen as a necessity. But now with COVID and with investors and everybody really understanding that um, promoting health is essential for occupancy and uh, businesses to be successful. Um, it's a game changer that it's moved into the risk category. 
When you think about how much time the average person spends indoors, it's no wonder that the way our buildings perform has a profound impact on our health. Buildings have always been involved with almost every aspect of our lives, but now we are finally starting to realize that this involvement is the responsibility of the buildings, not the occupant. A shift in thinking by the property industry from being completely focused on short-term financial outcomes to now considering other factors like environmental impact and social responsibility will not happen overnight. But if we want to make buildings truly smart, the shift will have to happen eventually. Hopefully soon, the property industry will be able to come to the realization that what is good for the people in and around a building is also good for the building itself. Thanks for listening. This series is brought to you by Cohen Resnick, a leading U.S. advisory, assurance, and tax firm with a global perspective and extensive experience in commercial real estate. As our post-pandemic world continues to take shape, Cohen Resnick believes that the industry's new normal must be one centered around trust, where investors, tenants, landlords, and communities can trust one another to find common ground while creating value and addressing risk. Visit Cohen Resnick's Resource Center at cohenresnick.com slash building trust for insights and tools to propel your business forward. Again, that's C-O-H-N-R-E-Z-N-I-C-K dot com slash building trust.